You're listening to Hunk with Mike Bridenstine. Mike knows like so, like the biggest names in comedy. Dude, you gotta see this guy's fucking show list. He like has like the biggest names on uh, in comedy on his on his show. It's kind of unreal, Mike, how you do that. The best po- panel pod on the internet. This is what the show's about, Nick. Did we have our finger on the pulse of America's uh, trends. What are the topics, Mike? What are the topics? This whole day can suck a thousand fucking dicks. Yeah, boy. Welcome to Hunk with Mike Bridenstine. From Muscatine to the Silver Screen. Wait, it's a podcast? From Muscatine, Iowa to your AirPods? Here's Mike. I'm Mike Bridenstine. Shout out Rick Gonzalez. Shout out Bad Planet. Shout out Ricardo Angulo. And shout out to my unpaid announcer, Tony Tone Loganzole. This show's dedicated to the late, great Brad Stewart. Love you, buddy. This week we're kicking it old school. Short panel with a kick-ass guest. In about 30 to 35 minutes from now, I'm going to talk to Hadley Mears, who is a historian and journalist. She writes for Vanity Fair and for The Hollywood Reporter. And I wanted to talk about famous Hollywood ghost stories. L.A. ghost stories, baby. It is spooky season after all. That's coming 35 minutes. But first, I also have the world's greatest panel. Cassie Cow is here. First time. She was a new face at the Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. She'll be in Los Angeles November 8th through the 16th, including at the Glendale Room on the 11th with your boy. Mike Carosa is back. Oh, with our sweet little baby boy, Mikey. He has a podcast called We Didn't Get a Rose and an album called Cherubic. Go tell Mike Carosa you love him. And check out his girlfriend's art page on Instagram at Andrina Andy. Check it out. Give him some money. Ryan Connor is back. He's been all over the TV. He's written all over the TV. He's written on physical televisions. He's got an album that you should stream called Live from an Old Prison. One of the best, Ryan Connor. Renee Godier is back. She's been on TV. She's written for television as well. And you should be on the lookout for her new special, High Blood, which is coming soon. Chris Mejia is back. If you're in the Seattle area, check out Good Comedy and listen to him with Mike Carosa on We Didn't Get a Rose. If you are new... If you've never been here before, you're just checking it out. When I get you there, when you trust me, please click follow. And without further ado, here are Cassie, Mike, Ryan, Renee, and Chris. Are we allowed to use pairs on this podcast? <laughs> oh, it's a pair. Okay. I'm, I'm going to hear recording. 70% finished. Recording in progress. God, that pair, your hair, the background, the jacket, man. <laughs> yeah, man, you've never seen, you've never seen whiter. And you do right now. Bro, you you're just bragging to me that not only do you have backyard access, but you also got fresh fruit access. Go fuck yourself, bro. You're eating a pear in a backyard. Wilson's I giving know. advice over the fence. This is yeah. good. What's the pear company? What's the company that ships pears? I couldn't uh, I, that those like Christmas pears they have in offices. Uh Oh, it's Willem Sonoma, isn't it? Barry and David. <laughs> I knew you'd know. That was a trap. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Michael. What's up, nerd? Mikey, sweetie, baby, honey, my lover. How are you? Oh, 
Chris. I miss you, buddy. Hey, I Jay. miss you too. How are you? No one else matters here. It's just us two. Hey, now. Why hey, am I here? Everybody matters Why did we do this? Everybody Why are we matters. watching this? Nope, I this podcast you. is just Mike and I. Hi, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't been doing our podcast because we're taking a break because of Bachelor in Paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last season was just so awful. Uh, the <laughs> last season of The Bachelorette was like one of the worst seasons of television. <laughs> I would just get a text out of the blue from Thank Mike. Thank you, Renee. Thank you. Thank I you. would get a text from Mike out of the blue in all caps. I hate this. <laughs> I, I would literally I would literally just I resented the fact that we we committed to watching that season anyway hello nice to see everybody I feel like Ryan, most nice people that have a podcast over like, like one thing end up hating that thing yeah. well no that's not the, no here's the thing i also had a podcast about sad songs i love doing because i love screaming sad songs I can't catch me getting upset about that the bachelorette this last season was garbage dude i didn't even garbage. watch it i didn't even need to you didn't even, no smart. you didn't need to very smart Get right nice out to of meet, here. Nice to meet you, Ryan. Nice to see you again, Renee. Yeah, nice What's happening, Brida? Cassie, I miss you. Chris, I miss I'm you. So hey, Cassie, where are you? Are you in LA right now or no? I'm I'm not. I'm in Toronto. And Michael, you are in Montreal? Montreal. I'm in Montreal, baby. I can't tell so where you're going to be. Longer. Toronto, Montreal, any of the other two Canadian towns that I've heard of. I can't tell where you're going to be. <laughs> There's them. only four Name up them. here. Name <laughs> Winnipeg, Calgary, Vancouver, and I'm done. Wow, Winnipeg, <laughs> Ottawa. The list. That's it's very shock. Ottawa, may- okay. Uh, Winnipeg and Ottawa making the list. CJ Sullivan's been walking around LA with this Winnipeg. Uh, wait, no, yes. maybe I'm wrong. Stuff I don't even know anymore. I'm getting thrown off. It's a hockey thing. I mean, Winnipeg has a hockey team. Calgary, Calgary. Yeah, Calgary Brett, was Brett the Hitman Hart. Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with the Hart family of their oeuvre. Yeah. I know them. Where's Nova Scotia? It's uh, East Coast. Nova Scotia is one of the maritime provinces. Renee's father, famously, Montreal. Yeah, From buddy. Montreal. That's why it's Gautier, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hell nope. yeah. Also, I have, I've been having a hard time trying to find, uh, se- well, I mean, in Canada, at least, uh, Secret Celebrity Drag Queen. And I've been, we just finished all of the U.S. All-Stars and regular seasons. And I'm trying to find Secret uh, celebrity Drag Race because oh, you, since you mentioned it, I've been trying. Have you tried yeah. watching um, White Man Eats Pear in Backyard? Have you tried that? Oh, show? I have that on my feed right now, actually. Uh... <laughs> yeah, they're out of pear. They're fucking good. He made himself backlit <laughs> I, I by the sun with his head there. blocking the sun. It's perfect. <laughs> it's Here, unbelievable. I'm at my girlfriend's parents' house right now, and uh, if I'm if I'm in the house and there's gonna be a lot of goings on. So I was like, I'm gonna go out in the yard, have myself a pair. jacket that my job gave me, and uh, yeah. a pair in the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had a pair, but man, fucking pears, hey. they're really good. Underrated fruit, fruit honestly. <laughs> Underrated yeah. fruit, yes, thank you. I, I think so. I think it's a, it's better than an apple, but we don't hear about it, you know. We never. <laughs> Cassie, shots fired. First shots fired of the show. Wow, <laughs> I, I've been getting hella in the show, apples Cassie. lately. So. Me too. I once ate a whole apple. Uh, like last week, I had a, I binged a whole apple, and I was like, "Ooh, I feel bad." Like <laughs> what vegans too. are like, like vegetarians are like, "I ate a whole apple." It definitely, <laughs> yeah. I bought like a bag of them, and you bought a bag of apples. Sell, they only sell apples in like singular 
or uh, family size. It's never like, here's a couple apples for a couple days. It's like you're either over committing to a marriage or you got commitment issues. With That's apples. where you got to start selling them like Lucy cigarettes outside of like convenience stores. Man. That would be the stupidest reason to get arrested by a cop. Just like on the corner, like, hey, yo, you trying to you trying you trying to trying to get some fruit that hey, tastes man. like home. Hey, man, you trying to keep the doctor away? Hey, man. I'm trying to keep the doctor away at those prices. You know what I'm talking about? Canada, what's happening? We got a good baby. Yeah, you do. I, I, as I like, does everyone here like Granny Smiths? Like y'all fuck with Granny uh, Smiths? I used to, but nah. Only cook. Not anymore. I'm more uh, of a cook. gala. I like gala a pie. Hope. I like a pie. That was where it's at. A, a pie? A pie? You eat Granny Smiths pie. raw? Oh, yeah. yeah. Isn't oh, Granny man. Smith the green one? Yeah, yeah, Granny Smith shiny is, yeah. Green one, man. Okay, hold on. I thought we all agreed one. that Granny Smiths were great. And then I've been hearing nah, Granny Smith slander recently. And then I'm oh, starting Granny. to wonder if maybe like I've been wrong no, about I Granny Smith. I've Smith's been great. hearing that we don't like Red Delicious anymore. I was that's what I was saying. That, that, we don't that, like them anymore. Red that makes protein. sense. What's the I good one? We Fuji? Ever liked them. Fuji's Ryan. the good one. Get him. Get him. Ryan, get him again. Get him. I like the you know, Red Delicious had it coming. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. Well, they get grainy that way. Yeah, they get grainy quick. They this show's grainy. already off the rails. It's I have no, I have no hard and fast <laughs> Apple opinions. So I am listening to this, going, it is Apple season. Hit me with your Apple. Stone fruits. Yeah, <laughs> stone fruits. <laughs> Ryan, oh, man, Ryan started this with his with his pair. Uh, the first question I wanted to ask here. you guys. The James Corden thing, he got banned from a restaurant. I don't know if you've you've heard Uh about this. He's a real piece of trash in restaurants, I guess. Uh Why why do I like this so much? He's trying to wiggle out of it. I'm kind of like, you know what? Fuck you, James Corden. Why do I feel that way? How are you guys on this? It's one of these things where, like, you know... You know someone you don't quite like, but you don't have a real reason why. You're just kind of like, he's a little annoying. I'm not a fan of his, but he's everywhere. And so you kind of feel like you have to respect him and the hustle and the grind or whatever. And then now it's something that's like, yeah, he's a bit of a piece of shit here. And now you have your reason to hate somebody. Just like how I hate this one guy, Jaron, in the comedy scene in Canada. And I had no reason to do it until he snuck in. So many shots are being fired on this podcast. Jaron. (laughs) I am... I feel like it's kind of one of the situations where you have to separate the man from the from the music, from the carpool. Mm, all right. Um, all right. <laughs> I just feel like it's easy for me to separate him from those songs. Uh, yes. You. you were sitting actually, on that the second he said James Corden. <laughs> I'm an improviser, sir. That's great. I'm a go. I'm a go. (laughs) That is the Uh, first time anybody's admitted that since pre pandemic, I would say. Well, I do both. I'm a a triple. Check this out. Everybody, check. This isn't pre planned, but check this out. Renee, zip. Zap. There you go. How did you Um, know? But what I was going to say was that I've heard a lot of rumors from friends who've worked Mm -hmm. on Corden's show, from people Mm -hmm. who've worked with James Corden, that James Corden is a monster. Monster. And I have heard, though, that, and I personally enjoy him. Like, as an, Mm -hmm. like, I like, I think he's funny. Did you do Gavin and Stacey ever? Yes. Okay. I'm the reason you probably know Gavin and Stacey. You might be. I don't know. Yeah. It was a it's a British show that he wrote co-wrote with someone um nice. 
and it was it's a great show it's really fun so it's kind of upsetting but i think i kind of i'm excited it's getting outed a little bit that he's not a great dude i will I, say i i, I just mike real quick show. i'm very sorry to interrupt but yeah. i just want to say on the record while i have the opportunity if any yes. of the cordon staff is listening and has open positions i would like to say <laughs> i've always thought james Shut Corden up. was an excellent white ally that we desperately need in these times and I will take a bullet for him and Mm-mm. I can start as uh, early as You don't as have to week. keep going. He already hired. <laughs> right. Packets <laughs> have been selected. Yeah, yeah. My friend Dylan just got into that room. I think it's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, in that case, yo, fuck this guy. Uh, yeah. I'm tired um, of the original colonizers. He can he can burn. I do like watching I, him banter with Carmelo, though. That's a lot of fun. He's yeah. a good time to watch. But I He's hearing these stories, I'm like, why would you ever be this much of a piece of shit ever? What do you uh, how? Because there's egg white in his egg yolk uh, omelet, Mike. I, I was, I was. Gonna say, I feel like he is. How do I say this? I feel like he's a little too nice that it's like very annoying. You know those people mm. who are like, we, I didn't, we didn't earn this, and now you've put me in a weird position to try to match your niceness. Yes. It's like when people see you yeah. from like across the hall, and then they hold the door for you, but you're like, motherfucker, now I have to run for He's it. He's a like, holding door ass bitch, yeah. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. When super wow. nice, because I grew up in the South, so like super nice people, that's just what you do when you live in you the South. You Florida. It's I grew it's up in the south. southern part of Florida. Okay, I'm with, I'm with Chris. That's south. That every all of it's south. more Florida north of Florida. You get the more southern it gets. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and yeah. uh, so like they're all really nice to your face. I mean, sure they call you the N word, but they hold the door open while they're doing that. Um, <laughs> so like when someone's super nice and they're not from the south, it's suspicious as fuck because it's just. Or I guess Midwest yeah. counts too. Come on, Midwest. Midwest. No, Midwest. I mean, especially from the Canadian. UK, and we're they're so happy to be assholes in public over there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you're yes. like, no, you're hiding something from you because I went, I've met the rest of you. I went to the UK and did shows. Renee was there, and we and she was. I watched her be warned that if she was nice to men that they would be like that they would like think it was like an invitation to like Like, let's go yeah this was this is the second time you brought this up on the podcast and somebody in the middle of saying that i was like in the middle of saying that i was like that's what it's like in america too mike and i was like i get it okay but it's different it's like more so it's not always like that but um i agree with cassie i don't know if i'm totally understanding what you're saying so forgive me if i'm agreeing with the wrong thing but i think the world, America specifically, because UK has been saying for years that he's not a good dude to work with. Uh-huh. I think America persona is what he has been playing with. Mm-hmm. He is in the a public eye. He's this sweet, nice Brit who is a fan of everyone who comes on his show and he mm-hmm. loves people. So when he loses it, then it's like he has fallen hard. Because now he's just being himself. Oh, he had a rep- he had a bad boy reputation in the UK and then he fled. And then we don't know who he is, so he's like, bad, "What the- type of bad boy is it?" He did what? He's yeah, so I'm yeah. interested to. Uh, you, he only did carpool karaoke to DMX songs, so <laughs> not a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, you may not think it. Mean bark. He lets out a yeah, mean yeah, bark. Yeah, yeah. He's you know good. what's weird about him doing the DMX songs yeah. is sometimes you throw in one of the prayers too, and people would vibe <laughs> to him. Some of those DMX songs, I put it, I put that, those on after he died, 
Boy, you're not ready to hear that shit in 2022. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You are not. (laughs) Yeah, I remember when I was in college, I was like, you know, I haven't heard DMX in so long. I fucking loved listening to him as a kid. And then I'm listening. I'm like, yeah, they're going to get. Oh, shit. You homophobic as fuck. Okay. All right. Um, Okay. All right. Uh Let's. Let's uh, let's just let's just keep we're, we're gonna keep it moving. All right. I, speaking of keeping it moving, I'll say James Corden. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 on to you. Okay, so How much longer is and James show Corden, actually? I'm available. That's what I gotta say. Yeah. Sorry, did I step on something? I'm good, James. Nah, <laughs> I'm good. I'm free. Book like Ryan it. Connor. Ryan Connor would love to come back or be you, on. No. Here's the thing. You, yeah. you guys are all Americans. Nice. You already can perform in that country without any trouble. Okay. I need a late. There's trouble. This visa. Not, you know talking what I'm talking about. about. Like, don't, don't, I, can I would very much like a spot there. so I can rub it in Mike's face. <laughs> I want a yeah. spot. I just don't need a job. <laughs> I need both. <laughs> That's what I mean. Uh, okay, so this went viral, um, and I want your reaction. So this woman, okay. who is not famous, she posted, my husband and I wake yes. up. <laughs> yes. Okay, are you, okay. Oh, Some of you heard, know. I haven't heard. I haven't heard. Okay. Hey, yeah. is... Some of you, okay, some of you know it. My husband and I wake up every morning. And bring our coffee out to our garden and sit and talk for hours every morning. Okay. And it never gets old yeah. and we never run out of things to talk about. Love him so much. Do uh-huh. you think that's good? I'm glad that there's good things for. I, I think it's like so sad that it's very clear that only Mike and I are stuck in Canada and like terminally on Twitter. <laughs> Everyone else is like, what's Wait. This? It's like, of course, on. both of us are the ones that know about this thing. Wait, what is this? They went viral because they talk in the garden? For hours Straight every up. morning. That, and everyone that hated them. Everyone is like, just, immediately Twitter, everyone who saw this was like, fuck you. <laughs> oh, some Why? of them were like, you're Oh, it's, everyone's oh, just ups- yeah. upset that they have love. I'm very- Can I put I, another I layer know. on it? Can I put another layer yeah. on it? Okay, yeah. somebody goes, don't you guys work? Yeah, that's the only part I'm thinking. It's and like, she goes, we do work. I own a business and he teaches yoga and is a professional skateboarder. So we work when we want. I saw Renee looking like she's about to throw up. Ryan's Ryan's ready to defend this. No, 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 no. I'm with Chris on this. Like, why are we hating on these people who just enjoy their relationship? I was just very skeptical of them saying uh, multiple hours of conversation. <laughs> yeah, that does seem a lot. Every just morning, two, you know, not even weather, weather dependent. I don't know. <laughs> Who has hours? Hours. Yeah. Yeah. You raise some good points. You do raise some good points. You know, weather this... dependent is an important one. Uh, Renee, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. I'm not mad. I think it's fine. <laughs> I think okay. why why put it out in the world? But you know what I mean. Like, shouldn't you be talking? Yeah. I What's think that, everyone. Um, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. How do you have time to tweet this? Shouldn't you guys be? Yeah, shouldn't you be talking? But what I was going to say was that as soon as you said this motherfucking dude teaches yoga. And is a professional Uh skateboarder. See, that's the part I'm with. I'm about What he's talking about, he's basically telling her yogi shit for hours. And she's going, you're right. You're right. And then they like do a sound bath and then they have crystals. A crystal moment. So basically, he's running a fucking class for hours. So what you're saying is, we want to hear these conversations. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. He never runs. Well, out of what shit we want to know. Well, I guess what we want to know is what is the talking to listening split between the two of them. That's what I want. Uh, that's also very interesting. I'm interested in that. She doesn't get a word was... out, which is why she tweets. 
<laughs> I'll say this. I I'll say this. The way that it was just such a little thing of, hey, this is how I start my day. I'm pretty happy for me. That's pretty nice, right? And people were like, yeah, that's pretty nice. And then a lot more people were like, yeah, wow, I can't believe you have a backyard and I have three jobs but can't have a thing. Well, I guess I guess the world's fair. And like, that's what Twitter was that whole day. I just think it's insane to me that that's what people think. They did the same thing to that yeah. teacher who was dancing with their students. Like a TikTok of a teacher dancing with like a student students at like a it seems like a predominantly black high school. She just happens to be dancing with her students, and on TikTok people are like, "This is so wholesome and nice." And on Twitter they're like, "Racial discussions." It's like great job, everybody. Why do we have to ruin everything? Let's have a nice Well, Twitter is where you go when you want to be a hater, like when you just have mm. the itch yeah, in your heart. But, but like the queen did die. <laughs> No, they you're right. It's, a, new, it's it. a slow news cycle. No monarchs have been done. Like this lady can just go fuck herself. I can't sustain more than 15 minutes conversation with the people that I love. So screw her. They're, they're, they're just playing hunk with Mike in the garden every morning. <laughs> Never run out of stuff to talk about, baby. I'll tell you about every shit my dog took today. It's what I talk about all day. Can, can we subscribe to the Patreon? How many like likes and retweets and comment and responses this thing had? It's because I can't up, imagine buddy. why it has more than fifty of any of them. Where? It's more than fifty. I am. Are we I talking about five thousand or like a hundred thousand? Oh, oh, here we go, Ryan. I want, I want you, I want you to, I want you to take, take a guess, take a guess. Let's, let's see. Responses. I'm trying to find the OG tweet. She changed okay, her I, name to I'm Garden Coffee Lady. There we I'm go. Going there big we go. Found so I'm going to say Coffee responses eleven hundred, retweets two thousand, favorites or likes or whatever it's called. That's not 12, I just saw okay. a tweet. Renee, Renee, I, what do you have you seen this? And do you do you have a guess? I haven't seen it. I think that they have upwards of three hundred thousand likes. I just want to say I she's not famous, and three no. people knew what it was. Yeah. Are you trying to talk me down? Are you trying to coach no, no, me? No, no, no. One's, no one's telling you anything. Forget it. Forget Brido for a second. Brido, why did it go viral if it didn't hit a certain number? There we go. That's what I'm talking about, Renee. Go for it. So, so (laughs) with a mean quote, I'm saying Rosa is bullying everybody. But (laughs) nothing I'm saying, Renee, you're picking numbers that are higher than when uh, Obama wishes uh, Michelle happy anniversary. (laughs) That's not what Twitter's for. Twitter's for hate. Look, I mean, like, just to put this in context, like, go tell your wife it's her birthday. Cats that do absolutely regular things, not interesting, skillful things, are hitting the 200, 300,000 likes mark. I'm saying upwards of three. Thank you, Cassie, for your support. And then I'm saying retweet so they could quote something mean about it. Yeah, quote retweets, yes. I would say 10%, so 35%. What what are the actual numbers? Okay, okay. okay. I got the numbers here. I got the numbers here. Yeah. All right, so, Renee, 331,000 likes. Fuck yeah. Look at look at Connor. Look at Ryan's face right now. Look at Ryan's face. <laughs> look at his, Unbelievable. Look at his backyard peach face. He can't even fucking handle it. Ryan, prepare. So My bad. Off on responses. Responses 2900 responses. 2970 for responses like replies. We've got 
Didn't Renee get that within 30? I think she said 3,000 even. Oh really? I missed that part. That's I uh, I, I've got. Okay, I finally found. I finally found the tweet. I haven't been listening to anything any of y'all have been saying. <laughs> he's, just, he's gone silent. He's been. I was Chris. on a mission, and I just found it. And everyone is being a hating ass bitch. This poor white lady just wanted to go on Twitter <laughs> and just be like, "Hey, me and my husband are happy." And Twitter was like. Fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's literally a tweet. I saw a tweet where someone said that lady said she enjoys mornings with her husband and folks said not on my watch. <laughs> the meme, the not on my watch meme is hilarious. But I love all of the format tweets that have come out of yeah, this. Like now tweets. people are, are tweeting the same thing, but like these ones that I love that are just going like my husband and I wake up every morning, go out to our garden and we just start fucking for fucking hours. And sucking for morning. hours. <laughs> it never gets old. We never run out of ways to suck and fuck. Love him so much. I, <laughs> I, honestly, wait, I That sounds worse than talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I now I understand why everyone wants to hate on them because I just saw what they look like and they look like the most annoying <laughs> couple at Trader Joe's. Like that couple yes. that is always blocking the avocado they it's them it's it's those people and then now we know they have a happy relationship like yeah. before when you were at trader joe's and you're like yeah i want some avocados but the fucking <laughs> the two people who look like they would tell me they would vote for obama for a third time are blocking the avocados and then you're just like well i hope you, you think that they're arguing so you're like okay cool they have an unhappy uh home life and then this tweet just confirms that they're happy and they're, and we're just being hating as bitches for no reason. Yeah. Uh, so I get it. I get the hate, but also nah. just let this lady nah. be happy in peace. <laughs> Do you feel like the I hate? Don't... Go ahead, Cassie. I just don't feel like she understands the rules of Twitter. Like when good things happen to me, I don't go on Twitter. That shit's for Instagram. Oh, yeah. Like, what uh, is she doing on Twitter? Uh, being uh, like, uh, I'm having a great day. No punchlines. She, she never heard the number one rule of Twitter, which is do whatever you can to not be the main character of Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, you but, never but, want to be the main okay, character yeah, 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 of Twitter, no. and she Tell just me. tweeted love. Sometime, and one time, I saw somebody post like a butt, <laughs> like a hot, like a hot chick butt pic, and then everybody was just like, "This is not where we do this. You take your fucking shit to Instagram." This is for this is for ugly wordsmiths. No, I actually I uh, love when people because like for example, sometimes when you're trying to uh, peruse and shop for OnlyFans accounts, it's nice when you go to their Twitter because sometimes like that's how you can tell how quality of a OnlyFans it is when they're just posting like the real dirty stuff on Twitter. It's like, oh, you're giving uh -huh. this out for free. That means what I have to pay for is going to be even better. Yep. You can have my money or I'll, I'll buy three months. I'll do it. I don't care. I wow. know this is an overinvestment. I know that so. a lot of my listeners are nodding, but I do not have any sort of <laughs> reference to this. How much? Well, about how much have I spent on OnlyFans? I will ask. Yeah, okay. I will answer that. Uh, so I had two phases. Before my last relationship, I briefly got into OnlyFans, and then I stopped because she said that she didn't want me to have OnlyFans, and I was like, "That's what's up." That you know, I'll, I'm a loyal guy. I'll yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and probably during that said. time, I spent maybe anywhere between, but uh, purely on subscribing, uh, between sixty to like a hundred. Uh, and then because I was cheap, I was just like, a I'll month? pay to get in. No, not a month, like total. Uh, oh. It was a very brief stint. Uh, and then what now, are you looking for? Now. I got a Patreon. What are you? What type of stuff are you into? <laughs> uh, I, I want I want to see that gooch, baby. I want I want, I want Mike. I want you spread out. 
just one finger <laughs> going up and down money. for Did 60 bucks i don't know i don't know Oh, the no, no. idea of Mike posting his gooch really <laughs> upset me. Yeah. There, there was another tweet that went viral a while ago that was saying that OnlyFans made more money last year than Walmart and Target combined. Holy shit. And everyone was and like, only no. A percentage. <laughs> they're like, no, that's not right. And then all the women were like, is it though? Or are we paying all our bills? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's people underestimate how much money. Well, that's like just in general, like if you can capitalize on horniness on the Internet financially, I am always a huge advocate for that. Like the perfect example Mm -hmm. is there's this Twitch streamer called Amoraf or Amaroff. I forget. Oh, my God. Well, that's a whole other thing. right? And she uh, I went on Twitch and I was just like, oh, I've heard of this person. I'm going to watch her stream. Uh, and it was purely for research purposes. Uh, but <laughs> how much can for, I jack off to this? For an research. hour and a half, she was just licking an ASMR microphone. Like she was just <laughs> licking it. Fucking Gen Z is weird, dude. And is- yeah, sure. I'm sure it was just Gen Z watching. Uh, but no, the licking part. I think oh, the licking part. Hey, listen, ASMR part. Listen, you can't control what niche you got. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to kink shame. I don't want to kink shame. I uh, do though. She I was doing that to get subscribers, and she had a tracker, and like uh-huh. each subscriber, I think was like a Pizza Hut not... tracker. It was basically, basically, I did the math. <laughs> I did the Dominant. math, and like she raised, uh, I think a thousand and fifty dollars that day, gross, just from licking a microphone, and then her total tracker from like how how long she's been doing it and tracking it, she. She raised a total of hundred and five thousand dollars gross yeah. just from licking a microphone. Oh my and God. then but this from is Twitch, also... you get you get a fifty percent cut from Twitch. So she has yeah. fifty two thousand five hundred dollars in her bank account pre taxes just from licking a microphone. And every For time like I think weeks. about that, I'm like, why the fuck would anyone work in a cubicle? Like, I want, I you could have coffee in I, your garden. Yeah, I have a question. <laughs> I have a question. Renee, Renee, Renee has, has a question. I'm sorry. I, my hand went up immediately. I did not want to miss this question. Mm-hmm. What do we know the origin story of the microphone? Oh, I have no idea. Because I, I have... feel like if you've ever had to use one, you wouldn't sit around yeah. licking it. You went the provenance and... of the oh, province of the. Like, or do you get problem. more money for the dirtier it is? Yeah. Uh, Ryan, his, his hand no, is raised. Uh, as well. Yeah. I, uh, piggybacking Renee here. Yeah. I will say that anytime you're on stage and you're. A microphone accidentally touches your mouth. You can't think of anything else for the the rest. Oh yeah, especially if you can feel the spit from the last comic. Yeah. Oh my Mm -hmm. god. How many comics are still using punk backgrounds? Okay, I fucking put mics in my mouth. I don't give a (laughs) shit. Listen, if she's pocketing fifty grand, like she's got her own microphone. Oh, so I was about to say she bought a special, like a ASMR, like specific yeah, yeah, yeah. microphone where it has like the mics on each side one. and you kind of like yeah. there's like one here one right. here to like <laughs> leg oh, the ear ones yeah the oh, ear yeah, ones yeah. oh i get it that would yeah. be hot she does just she deserves 50 yeah oh, okay all right <laughs> now here's and here's let me tell you that was the weirdest way to find out i was into something <laughs> but, what, but do you know about too. what happened to her you know what happened to her recently? Like, no. it, like there's this what whole is, thing. Uh, she, 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 hepatitis. Her hus- so no, turns out her husband's been super abusive, and that oh, came out shit. on stream. And like people have been. Does she have red hair? I saw a headline. Yeah, yeah she yeah, has yeah, red yeah, hair. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. 
So people been crowdfunding, like people were like trying to track her to make sure she's safe and everything. Dominoes. Oh, shit. Oh, no. I didn't and know. Now I'm not trying to shame her, but stuff. I was in a verbally abusive relationship and no one fucking crowdfunded for me. Yeah. I, I can't believe it. It's not me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I can't believe that one third of people Pepsi. here know about someone who was licking a microphone on Twitch. <laughs> Twitter. I can't believe Twitter. that you knew about her licking the microphone on Twitch, but not that she had this whole abusive husband. Okay, like, yeah, that's all right. Okay, hold on, that's hold on, like, hold on. We're gonna separate the that's person crazy. from the. That part's not part of his research, Cassie. His research was very specific. Yeah, yeah, it was a sound thing. All right, okay, I don't get the I don't get the email alerts. All right, I don't have oh, her subscribe. Oh, yeah. I just every time every time I go on Twitch, Twitch is like, here's a suggested uh, account because we know what the fuck is up with you right now. All right, you're, right. you're subscribed Twitch to like, her Yo, YouTube, we... but not her news. It's, it's... <laughs> right. All right. Oh, right. There's a lot going on in the world. I've just you know I'm reading up on Iran, so I don't have time to read about her. Okay, so, so you're just, you know, you're you wanting to see my gooch and talk about Iran. Okay, yeah, yeah, so you yeah, can yeah. read about Iran while you have the stream in the background, though. So Shut up, Mike. Like, you know, just because I have multiple screens doesn't mean one is horny and one is learning. Okay, <laughs> that Excuse would be me, fun. I know about your multiple screens. All right, I know what you got on them. Don't act like we don't know each other. I think that you should have horny screen, regular screen. <laughs> Take a page out of Ify Wadiwe's book. I've, I've, uh, yeah, that's 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 the strategy. Yeah, I'm sure she's got a horny microphone and a talking microphone. <laughs> she better. She better. Yeah. That's Cassie, Mike, Ryan, Renee, and Chris. Their video and the song tournament for 1986 are on the Patreon. Go follow all of them on social media, and I assure you, they want you to follow them. Maybe not Ryan, but I think that they all want you to follow them. And tell them that they're great. They love that when you do that. If you are enjoying this podcast at all, I would love it if you took a second to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. There's still more show. There's a lot more show. But if you want video of this panel and you want to see the sausage get made, and also every panel since March of 2020, that is on the show's Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Brido. I showed you the new merch that was coming. We're doing Spooky Season Stephen King Book Club. That's right. Spooky season. Stephen King book club. I started with Carrie and I posted part one last week. Now part two of Carrie. Part one of Salem's Lot coming soon. You can either read along. We can do it as a book club or you can just listen to me tell you what happens in the book. I'm up for that also. Up to you. You decide. I also just posted what my album cover is going to look like for my next stand-up album. So check that out as well. Thank you to all the patrons. You guys keep the show going. You are all good people, especially new patron Ricardo Angulo. Patreon.com forward slash Brido, B-R-I-D-O. I do have a link tree in case you want all of my links. I'm Brido on there too. That's my Patreon, the album, the old album, Instagram, the show's Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, everything will be there. And please subscribe to my YouTube. I am going to drop a new special, hopefully within a few months, right after probably the album comes out. I'm just waiting on people. Waiting on people and I'm ready to show you things. Also, you can see me do stand-up every Wednesday, building a new hour. Every Wednesday at the Fable and Eagle Rock, Mike and Stacy Holmes are making award-winning burgers. And now, since August, every Friday at the Glendale Room at a show called Flagship, Bonafide Hunk Scott B came last week with his wife 
and he said that they had a great time. Okay, we'll be right back to the show after a brief word from our sponsors. What is the best way to handle the streaming wars? Judge all the content against each other. The Buffer Battle Podcast does just that. Joel and Tony are former radio co-hosts who pit two relevant pieces of content against each other every week to determine the winner of the week. From documentaries to dumb sitcoms, these two will help you decide who wins. And at the end of each month, they throw it all into a no-holds-bars cage match to see who wins the month. Often joined by special guests, including your boy Brido, to help decide the winners tournament style. These guys have fun making fun of themselves and keep their passions for film and TV alive during this podcast. Tony's a film nerd. Joel is a music geek and they aren't shy about their opinions. Listen to the Buffer Battle podcast anywhere you download your podcast. I'm Mike Bridenstein and I have listened to None Taken. The ad we've been doing for like two years on Brido's show, it's all based on an inside joke on our show, but it's for listeners that haven't listened to our show yet. So the joke is we always start our show with, you know, somebody as a guest and yeah, and I've never listened to none taken. And and they're not going to get that. No, they've never got that. What an annoying (laughs) commercial. (laughs) Waste of time. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Neither of us did. And then the whole thing ends with these guys fuck, which was like something I said once at the end of a recording, like spastically, like impulsively. Oh, you're not supposed to. I still think that's funny. I like it when the girl says it. uh, Hi, Victoria. This is the best. This is welcome to none taken. This is what none taken is like. Wait, did we just do an ad? Is that what you're telling me? I, I think that's what I'm going to send him, and who knows? I mean, he's played that for the last two years. Why wouldn't he play this? This is more like what our show is. Thank you, Dustin and Alan. Those guys fuck. Thank you, Dustin and Alan. For Halloween, I bet they still fuck. Okay, now, it is spooky season, and Los Angeles has a lot of famous haunting locations, so there's nobody better to talk to than Hadley Mears. As I said at the top, she writes for Vanity Fair and for The Hollywood Reporter. And the way that I met her was taking one of her tours at underground speakeasies in downtown Los Angeles. And we started that tour at the Hotel Cecil. So I was really interested to talk to her about this stuff more in depth. I think you're going to like it too. So here's Hadley Mears. So how would you explain to people who are listening like what you do? Okay. Uh, Let's see. What do I do? Well, I'm a historical journalist, and I came by it pretty honestly. I'm from North Carolina. That's where I am right now. And uh, we grew up. There's so many tales of murder and sadness and legends and lore in the South. That's really uh, our M.O. because of our kind of cursed, haunted history. So I've always been obsessed with legends and the dark side of life and the dark side of human nature. And so when I moved to LA, I originally thought I wanted to be a movie star uh, because uh, my family were huge old movie fans and I did a lot of acting growing up. But then pretty quickly I realized I I didn't want to be a performer. I I wanted to write about them and I wanted to learn about people and kind of recount their lives in a way that others could understand. And while I became a local journalist in Los Angeles, I started to really understand that there's so much more to L.A. history than Hollywood history. Like Hollywood history is the tip of the iceberg, really, when it comes to L.A. I always say that L.A. is a sunny place for shady people. And it's a place (laughs) everyone comes to reinvent themselves, to make themselves better or greater than they were. And there are some success stories, but 
they're not as many as you'd like. And a lot of times people fall through the cracks or they get what they wanted and they find out it wasn't worth it. And I think that that lends itself to a lot of ghost stories and legends and lore and stories of people who kind of were lured out here by a promise that was unfulfilled or not fulfilling once it was granted. So that is why I've become such a fan of ghost stories and murder tales in Los Angeles. I tell a lot of those on a podcast I did a few years ago, Underbelly LA. So yeah, nice. it's it's just one of my beats that I really enjoy doing. <laughs> Do you have a favorite uh, murder story of all the LA murder stories? Favorite murder story? Well, I mean- Or haunted know- place, either either or. I would say my favorite murder story is actually a quite open-ended story. And and that's the story of the murder-suicide at at Greystone Mansion, which was owned by Ned Doheny, whose father, E.L. Doheny, found massive amounts of oil in Mexico and Southern California. If you're from LA, you know the Doheny name. (laughs) And, uh, he built this palatial, beautiful mansion in Beverly Hills that is now a public park called Greystone for his son, Ned, and Ned's wife. And the family was heavily involved in the Teapot Dome scandal of the 1920s, which brought down uh, the Harding administration. And long story short, Ned had a best friend slash assistant slash possible lover named Hugh Plunkett, who was his right-hand man. And on an evening uh, near the time of the Teapot Dome scandal at Greystone Manor, the two men got into some sort of altercation and both ended up being shot dead. The newspapers all reported that Hugh, the servant, had shot Ned and then killed himself because he was upset that he was being embroiled in the teapot dome scandal and all the stuff going on. He was having a nervous breakdown. He was a drug addict, but many people who were at the scene and many people who knew both the men believe that Ned killed Hugh. But since Ned was a Doheny and the scion of this enormously important family in Los Angeles, it's very easy that his father could have covered up the whole murder. That seems likely. Yeah, and if you just, look in just the papers, Razor, yeah. just uh, yeah, <laughs> you look in the papers from the time. It's a huge news story. It was a national news story for like three days, and then it vanishes. And both men are buried in the same cemetery, very nearby, which is also very strange. And to this day, the Doheny family will not talk about it. I have tried numerous times. You cannot get an interview with the Doheny family about what happened. And Greystone Mansion, which you can now go visit since it's a Beverly Hills public park whenever you want, is notoriously said to be haunted by both men and many other specters and all of those kind of things. So I I think that's my favorite murder just because it's, you know, it's got everything. It's got oil money. It's got LGBTQI issues. It has glamour, the haves and the haves nots, you know, LA's kind of boom society of all these people trying to become aristocrats when they had been roughnecks in the oil field. So uh, that's by far my favorite one. And the teapot dome scandal and the Harding administration. I think you've right. got, I think you've got yourself a pitch if you can get uh, the Doheny yes. family on, on board. I, <laughs> I want to do um, the first one I wanted to ask about was the first place that you 
uh, took my group, my group, which was me, my wife, and my friend Jim, to the Hotel Cecil. Uh, mm. How For people, I know that Netflix did a thing, which I watched after the fact, and I was like, I know all these stories. <laughs> Before I ask about it, I will say you were like, and nobody has kind of come, no one comes in and out of here. And then I asked you later, and you were like, yeah, that was weird. As you were telling us a story, a man just walked out of the building Yes. And you kind of like the blood kind of like went out of your face. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. So no. <laughs> will you give whatever version of this? I know that you have a long version. I know that there's shorter uh, versions. But what is the podcast friendly version of the Hotel <laughs> Cecil? Well, and just to that Netflix documentary, um, I've been in three documentaries about the Hotel Cecil, but didn't get on the one anybody watched. So I'm very God bitter about it. God damn it. We'll make up for it. Because <laughs> I've been on so many things. I, I totally get about. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. So, uh, well, let's see. The Hotel Cecil in a nutshell. Hotel Cecil was built in the 1920s in downtown LA. It was built to be a very nice hotel for like middle class folks. If you look in the lobby even today you can tell it was a very nice hotel it wasn't grand but it was quite beautiful but you know it opened right before the stock market crash of 1929 and with the stock market trash you really start seeing the beginning of the area the cecil's in becoming what we now know today as skid row and it became a hotel where there were a lot of sex workers drug addicts transient folks and people going there, you know, to have affairs and other nefarious activities. And it became very, very early on a famous place where folks would go to commit suicide. And lots and lots of people died by suicide at the Hotel Cecil. There's horrible stories of one woman, you know, falling on the marquee and having to be pulled off the marquee with hooks. There's stories of uh, people falling to their death and landing on the awning of the building next door. They're the most famous stories of a woman in the early 1960s who fell. This is the one that I hate. Yes, it's so scary because it could happen to you tomorrow. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, uh, where a woman fell on top of an old man minding his business, walking down the street, crushing him and her. And so it already had a notorious reputation. By the way, and wasn't they, that one where they're like, they thought they jumped together and they're yes. like, no, his shoes would have come off. Yes, that's how they figured it out was because his shoes had not flown off like hers had. And at that velocity, they would have fallen off. That's insane. It's so creepy. And so there are all these terrible stories. And then it also became a haven for serial killers Um, in the 1980s. Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker lived there while he was actively killing for a couple different spates. Uh, there are stories that he like would bring victims eyes through the lobby and all his little trophies back to his room with him. And the people who lived there, you know, at that point, it was really a rough place and nobody there was paying any attention. I mean, they were there to take care of themselves. Then in the 90s, another famous serial killer named Jack Unterwinger, who was from Austria, who had become a journalist after he had gotten out of prison, came to study crime in Los Angeles, in quotes, even got a ride along with the LAPD. And then a few months later was discovered in London, having murdered women in London. And they were able to tie, I believe, three murders of sex workers in LA back to him 
when he was in Los Angeles. Wow. And he had chosen to stay at the Cecil because Richard Ramirez was his favorite serial killer. So he was a fanboy of his. So then, of course, there's the horrible Alyssa Lamb story, which, you know, we all know where her body was found in the water tank. And it was a great mystery as to what happened. We're pretty sure now she was a victim of mental illness. And, you know, even though it seems improbable to me still, she probably climbed into the water tank when she was going through some kind of, uh, of mental issues. So you're so, not buying that the, the, the official story necessarily? You know, I buy the official story and I feel bad for her family. Like I feel yeah. like me and other journalists and that Netflix show have, uh, I feel like we, we put them through enough. Uh, but I still yeah. do think it's odd that she got up there because it was very difficult to get up there. It was hard to climb up that tank. Have you been and up there? I've never been up there, no. I've okay. seen aerial footage, but I've never been up there. So, you know, and of course, her death really exploded the rumors that the Hotel Cecil is a portal to hell and in the elevator when there's that footage of her gesticulating. Oh, my God. So creepy. It's so now creepy. Now we know she was probably in a manic episode, but, you know, that led to rumors that she was speaking to a ghost or the ghost of yeah. Ramirez or something. Yeah. So, And that serial it, killer, the one from Austria, was staying there at that time? He was staying there, yes. Specifically because, and like that was not a place a real journalist would stay. So it was already very suspicious. He had money. There was no reason for him to be staying at somewhere like the Cecil at that point. Oh, so he, he really consciously wanted to stay there and get to kill people there, just like Ramirez had. Now, when the guy walked out, why did that creep you out so bad? Well, because I very rarely saw anybody come out of the Cecil. And as far as I knew at the time when I was still leading those tours, I did know that about seven or eight SRO housing folks, so low-income housing folks, still were living there. Okay. That they hadn't kicked everyone out. But I had never seen hardly anyone ever come out of there. So anytime you'd see anyone come out, it was just a total shock. And the interesting thing is uh, I stopped doing the tours during the pandemic and I don't think right. I'm going to do it again just because the unhoused, it's just such a disaster down there right now. Right. Right. Um, but they started after the net, not even before the Netflix show, putting security guards at the front and they were getting very pissy with me when I would bring tour groups there. And I notice now when I drive by, there's almost always a security guard out there now. So I think, that the new owners are really conscious of the fact, you know, they want to rebrand this place. So they're super <laughs> Good luck. I think they should tear it down. Yeah, why is it still standing? It's a historic site, you know, and a lot of the people uh, that are different from me in the historic world think every single thing should be kept. Yeah, okay. And, and, and I think some places like haunted places of evil, maybe you know, it's better off if you put a new high rise up there. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, it's like Salem's lot. Like why is that right. house still up? Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, I forget if there's one, th I feel like I had another question and it is gone. So we'll come back to it. If I, if I think about it, um, the next one that I wanted to, to, I think maybe was my favorite dumb one that I read about which was the haunted picnic table in Griffith Park. <laughs> will, you oh, yes. will you talk about this? 
So Griffith Park is notoriously haunted. Yeah, there yeah. are a million stories of Griffith Park hauntings. And and one of the best ones is that a, a, a couple was making out in the 70s and a tree fell out of the, on top of them while they were hooking up. And supposedly the picnic table where they died with the tree uh, falling on them is haunted by their ghosts. The table's so, still there. So would they would have had the to remove the bodies. It's not true. <laughs> I mean, but let's, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not one to tempt fate with ghosts and ghost stories. Like I'm an agnostic. I don't know the answers to anything, but yeah. um, I, I don't think it's true. Okay. I hate to say that, but I, I think if it was true, they would have taken the table down. Almost every article I read about any of these ghost stories, there was in a bit of an apology for to people who were like, sorry, I'm yeah. writing about this. Yes. I did think it was funny, though, when we were uh, I was reading one of the articles that you read, you sent me about the uh, the missions. Yes. And I like in the 30s, the L.A. Times just reported one of them as fact. They're yeah. just like, there is a ghost. We're the L.A. Times. There's a ghost that haunts the mission. Yes. Yes. I love you know what I love about old archival newspapers, especially papers like The Times is they just reported any old thing they wanted. And like, you know, there, there were journalistic standards then. So they'll, sure, there's a ghost. Okay, there's a ghost. You know, they were just there to sell papers and yeah, yellow so. journalism was amok. So I think we've tried to get more careful in our language now. And like Atlas Obscura, who I work with a lot. Oh, I love that site, yeah. They won't really even tell ghost stories. They have very strict rules about how they talk about the paranormal and ghosts. Because they don't want to, you know, kind of propagate things that are fiction or based on lore. They'll tell you about the reasons behind the lore, but not present any of it as fact. Okay. I remember Mm -hmm. the the question I was going to ask you about the hotel. Oh, yes. When the drinking water thing happened, Mm -hmm. um, which we can explain in a second, but I heard that 11 people were like, yeah, we know that the drinking water is contaminated with a dead body but that's okay with us <laughs> yeah we're not going yeah. anywhere yes tons of people who were staying at the cecil god knows why were drinking the contaminated water and it seemed like they were all kind of just like oh yeah i i like drank dead water for a few <laughs> days it's okay and you know the hotel was so poorly run they didn't really do anything about it so that really tells you, I mean, they finally went up to check and that's why her body was discovered in the water tank. But yeah, they just, you know, I mean, I guess it's a budget hotel. You get what you get and you don't get upset. <laughs> so somebody owned this thing and was like, there's a what now? All right, yeah. a... That's that's insane to me. Like, but it had to exist. But you know, a lot of hotels... That's kind of how they make their money is being creepy or having haunting stories or being scary, you know, like the Biltmore Hotel. So many people stay there because supposedly the ghost of the Black Dahlia is there. There's lots of yeah. at the Biltmore. And, you know, the Hotel Roosevelt has certainly traded on the fact that they say Mayor Monroe and Montgomery Cliffs ghost are there. So it keeps some places in business. Which one was the Houdini seances was on the roof of the road? The Houdini, Houdini, the last seance that his wife did for him when he died 
was on the top of the Knickerbocker. The Knickerbocker. Okay. I think they still do that uh, on they the Knickerbocker. They do for fun sometime, yeah. But I think for all of us skeptics out there, it's important to remember he said that because he was a skeptic. He said, if there's any way I can come back to you, I will and try and contact me. And so she did for 10 years and he never came back. Okay. And she said, well, there's your answer. Cause if he had had a way to come back to me, he would have. So he was actually doing it as kind of a scientific experiment, not out of some belief in the occult or anything. Right. He, yes. That's why Penn and Teller were uh, motivated to debunk people or uh, the great, the amazing Randy also didn't like Yuri Geller and stuff like that. I wanted oh, to. Oh, I didn't know that. Very cool. He started that tradition of debunking. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, so the holy grail of hauntings, if you've got one of these hotels, if you are in the business of having a creepy hotel in Los Angeles, your number one uh, all-time the goat has to be Marilyn Monroe. Where is oh, her ghost? Marilyn Monroe's ghost is everywhere. <laughs> uh, you know, she is said to be at the Knickerbocker Hotel because that's where she and Joe DiMaggio kind of had a lot of their rendezvous when they were seeing each other. She's supposed to be in a room at the Roosevelt and in a mirror at the Roosevelt. She's supposed to be, she's buried at the best cemetery in LA, in my opinion, Westwood Memorial Cemetery, which is where tons of people like Billy Wilder and Jack Lemmon are buried, Natalie Woods buried there, Dean Martin. I mean, the list goes on and on. And what's actually really fun about Westwood Memorial is that a lot of the uh, famous kind of tours from the 60s and 70s, like Billy Wilder and Jack Lemmon, have really funny epitaphs. I wrote an article about it for KCET, and they kind of clearly were all trying to one-up each, one each other with their epitaphs. So I, I highly recommend looking into that. But she is buried at Westwood Cemetery, and it is said that a pink fog envelops her gravestone, her her mausoleum stone, and that her spirit is there as well. I mean, she's she's been seen in countless places throughout LA. What are the other contenders for best cemetery? Now that you mention it, okay, Westwood is the most fun. I know that sounds weird, but no. it's just one. <laughs> besides her and Natalie Wood and some other really tragic people, it's just a lot of people are like. Peggy Lee and stuff like I had a great ring-a-ding life like here's my fun gravestone <laughs> but um it is it's really a happy place but I would say the best one is Forest Lawn yeah the yeah yeah Forest Lawn of just because it's so bizarre it's I mean, bizarre it's bizarre the guy who founded it said I want to create basically an amusement park of death you know a place people will come and have fun and see shows like how they have that bizarre show where they tell the whole story of the stained glass mosaic of the Leonardo da Vinci Last Supper. Yeah. And this weird voice tells you all about the creation of it. And, you know, Jesus is the only one who lights up, you know, it's, it's just fascinating. And I mean, they have a place called Babyland and a place called Kidland where kids are buried. And there's a, there's a stone statue of a castle. I mean, it's just a trip. So I think that one's just, that shit insane i've been in there when people who elizabeth taylor is their god are in there like yeah that's a fun i mean i here's why i went there i would back before back in the olden days when i had cable i would turn on spectrum and spectrum had a channel 
and oh yeah and the spectrum channel told like stuff to go do in la and they showed that that one in glendale and i was like what like yeah. they're like this is for people who can't afford to go to Europe. All of the <laughs> the greatest sculptures in Italy are here, and I was just like, they got what? And so yeah. I went, and sure enough, and it's a great free free trip. If it you... is. I mean, you have Michelangelo's David and like yeah. some piped in weird music. To yeah, listen to. yeah. It, it's a fascinating play. You and know, Michael and Jackson and Michael Jackson, Humphrey Bogart, Walt Carol Disney, Lombard, yeah. Clark Gable. I mean, the list of famous people there, Alan Ladd goes on and on. And, you know, we Kirko Heather, their fake, uh, you're one of their fake European chapels. That's where Marilyn Monroe's um, funeral was. So there's just, that's, I believe where Jean Harlow's funeral. Is. So it's just countless ties to Hollywood and yeah. to the very specific, Southern California, trying to be fancy, but just being real kitschy and weird instead. <laughs> That's which I right. Think is so us, you know. Yeah, it is so much land too. It's like an absurd amount of land, but I can't imagine how much it's probably worth. Oh my like, god! Insane amount of land. Right. Um. One. One of the. Um, the famous deaths, and by the way, I should mention this. You mentioned that note on she sent me links, and one of the yeah. links said, like, ignore the title. My editor did this. Yes. Okay, I do want to spend just two minutes making fun of this. Um <laughs> Suicide Hotspots. Oh god, I know it's so embarrassing. You've taken this time, you've done this research, you've yes. written this article. And the person in charge of headlines, who's usually not the person writing the article, is like, oh, we write about hot spots a lot, I guess. So suicide hot spots in L.A. Where are the cool Von Dutch hats committing suicide? I know. I'm not making light of suicide. I am making fun of this title of this article. Yes. Yes. And I think it has some really interesting information. Yes. They are, I mean, interesting hotspots, I will say. It is, and you know, I, it, it's, it's a very bad phrase. But sadly, there are places that become no. I mean, look at the Golden Great Bridge. I mean, they're yeah, all yeah, over yeah. the world of these, of these places. And uh, there's many in Los Angeles. A lot of the hotels, like the Cecil, were one of them. But of course, the most famous of all time is is the Colorado Steep Bridge. And um, what's your first thought when you see that bridge? I mean, the mine. Other than like, my mind was like, I bet people jump off of that thing. Yeah, I mean, it looks right because there's no water underneath, so you're not yeah. even going to be questioned by the water. I mean, there's literally an arroyo underneath. There's so yeah. I mean, I think what was it by 1938, 88 people or something? Too many. Insane. Too many, yeah, too many people. The baby is the craziest thing. The baby, and that she lived, yeah. So Tell that story, yeah. Her baby, yeah. Um, distraught mother during the depression, probably thought she couldn't, she couldn't support the child, threw her baby off, and then jumped off herself. And the mother passed away, but they found the baby just crawling around with hardly any injuries. Which which really makes you think if there's angels or good spirits, they were or there. Or tree branches. Out. Or a tree branch. She just conveniently. I've seen fell. jackass. They jump into the tree. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's up, I'm baby? This is mom suicide. Bam, bam. Yeah. I'm sorry. 
Sorry, Ben. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, it's so crazy. <laughs> if you didn't laugh, you'd sob, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's, and you know, but there is a, everything in LA usually in a kind of xenophobic way goes back to Spanish Mexican legends that white people told of their stories, right? Right. And so the story of the Pasadena Bridge is that there was a Mexican woman in olden times who had sold her granddaughter off at 14 to a much older man. And the girl was so freaked out the fact that she was going to have to marry this scary older man that she ran in her wedding veil and, and, and jumped below uh, into where is now the bottom of the Colorado Street Bridge and that her grandmother went crazy and became an unhoused wanderer wandering the Arroyo Seco trying to find her granddaughter and hearing her granddaughter's call and that perhaps those are kind of the sirens that lure the grandmother and this granddaughter their ghosts are the sirens that lure people oh. to deaths to jump off the bridge Wow. So that has kind of been pointed at as the origin story uh, of why this has been a place so many people have died by suicide. Wow. Okay. I wrote down an old one where the ghost says, uh, Senores, I am Antonio Feliz. Uh, come to invite you to dine with me in hell. Yes. And then he says, uh, in your great honor, I have brought an escort of sub-demons. <laughs> yes. That's a very fun specific, like someone's like, oh, that's, I got to remember that quote. That is, you know, I, I used to, I live in the arts district now, but I used to live in Los Feliz for like 20 years. And and the stories, like I said, of Griffith Park are really my favorite. So Antonio Feliz uh, owned the Rancho Los Feliz, which is what Griffith Park is. It was Los Feliz. It was a lot of the area we kind of know as almost Silver Lake now. And it had been in the family since the 18th century, this huge rancho. And by the 1860s, some of it had been sold, but a lot of it was still owned by this man named Antonio Felice. And he was a bachelor, but he had a niece named Petronilla. The apple of his eye. The apple of his eye, as I heard, and uh, was basically going to be the inheritor, allegedly, to this estate. And so in 1862, there was a huge smallpox epidemic. Smallpox ravaged Los Angeles during the 1850s and 1860s. I wrote a lot about that for LAist. It's really, really interesting. And so she was sent to Los Angeles while he was dying on the rancho in an adobe on the rancho. And legend has it that as he was dying, um, two gentlemen, including a lawyer, came and convinced him to sign over the rancho to them, thus disinheriting Petronilla. And it's claimed that Petronilla found out and was, of course, furious that this had happened. And so she cursed all of the land of the Felice family. And I'll read here. This is what she is said to have said in her curse, because this is another great yeah. little spiel. She said, your falsity shall be your ruin. The substance of the Felice family shall be your curse. The lawyer that assisted you in your infamy and the judge shall fall beneath the same curse. The one shall die an untimely death and the other in blood and violence. 
a blight shall fall on this terrestrial paradise. The cattle shall sicken, the fields shall no longer respond to the tiller. I see a great flood spreading destruction. I see the grand oaks wither in the tongues of flames. The wrath of heaven and the vengeance of hell shall fall upon this place. I mean, if you're going to curse somebody, really do it. Do it. Do it right. Let's see your flair for the dramatic. Let's see some, Absolutely. See some skills yeah. in your curse. And so the rancho had been this very prosperous ranch, right? And legend has it that after the curse, it became like this dry, barren desert. And there was a great flood and nobody knew what to do with the land. It kept being sold. And that once during a great flood, the ghosts of Petronilla and of her uncle were seen riding, riding the, the way. Wave yeah, yeah, yeah. Of laughing. Yeah. And so Petronilla is a ghost that is said to haunt all over Griffith Park. She's said to be in the adobe, which still exists. It's one of the smaller adobes that were there. It is now the ranger station. So you can go visit. It said you can see her in a window. She's been seen strolling and riding around the property. And also you can see her face allegedly in B Rock, which is the giant mountainous rock which you can see when you're standing in the old zoo, which is also haunted supposedly by spectral animals who were mistreated in the zoo. You can hear weird animal sounds. Is that correct? Yes. You can see animals moaning and screaming and uh, ghost the, animals are a rarity, but I do. Enjoy... And they're that's scarier to me than anything. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to hear ghost animals. Yeah. And uh, Antonio Felice supposedly cursed that group of men when the, the uh, Griffith Park had been bought by L.A. scoundrel Griffith J. Griffith, who shot his wife in the face. Yeah, I was going to make that abundantly clear. He's a bad guy. Yeah, but he had bought the land that was Griffith Park, and because of this curse, he couldn't do anything with it because you couldn't grow anything on it. So to look like a hero, he donated it to the city in 1896, and there was this huge feast of city leaders celebrating this donation, and that is where. Antonio and his sub-demons rose up and cursed all the men drinking and celebrating this new magnificent park that was being donated by Griffith J. Griffith. I mean, that's, I mean, I've been to, I think that it's fun that it's called the happy, I guess, if it's going to be yeah. haunted. The happy ranch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, but I also want to say one caveat on this is that all of these stories were made up by an old LA chronicler who hated Griffith J. Griffith named Horace Bell, who you will hear about constantly in LA history. He wrote a ton of great books about early LA and like the gunslingers, but he really despised Griffith J. Griffith. And I think that he made up all these stories as a way to just fuck over Griffith a little more. Really? Did he really yeah. not shoot his wife in the face? No, he shot his wife in the face. <laughs> That's true. So bad guy. He was a terrible guy, but I think the ghost stories were kind of told as this weird way of just corrupting anything. Okay. That's fun. It's always kind of disappointing. Like Ty Cobb, like the baseball player, Ty Cobb. There's these stories of him doing all these heinous things. Then you read like, oh, his, the guy who wrote his biography just hated him. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's like, that. and then if, then you have that moment. It's like, of course, do you think that there was like really this Charles Manson times <laughs> Like General right. Lee guy playing baseball, like and living into the nineteen sixties, like of course not, but yeah. Um, so is Los Feliz like the most murdery neighborhood that we have, or okay? 
I think it pretty much is. And it has a creepy vibe. I mean, it, partially it's because it's right against the park. So you actually have mountains and secluded places and shady places. And I think the architecture also lends itself to it. You know, all these giant old yeah, yeah. 1920s heavy Spanish mansions and brambles and it's kind of rustic and artistic. And then you have a, you know, you have a Manson murder there. I mean, there's just so the many things Bianca that happen there. The LaBianca house is creepy. The one that people bring up, like people are talking about the the Los Feliz murder house. And I think yes. that they get them, two of them confused. Yes, they definitely do. There's one that's like up kind of a hill that like people say, yeah, if you look in the windows, their Christmas presents are unwrapped. But that's yes. not true, right? Well, I've heard mixed things about that. I have met people who say that they used to go spy on the house as children. Oh, prior that, to like the 90s though, right? Yes, that okay. it was true, that okay. there was a Christmas tree up. But what's really fascinating is that house, that murder occurred um, in the 1950s and 1959. And it was a doctor named Harold Perlson who lived there. He was just a cardiologist, seemed like a total normal guy. And he beat his wife Lillian to death at night with a hammer. And then he began to attack one of his daughters and with the hammer and his other daughter woke up and it's so creepy. She was trying to get her dad to stop. And the guy said to her in the act of trying to murder his other daughter, go back to sleep. This is a nightmare. So she, the daughter he was trying to murder eventually escaped and went and got the neighbors. So the daughters ended up surviving, but then another family bought the house and very weirdly, and this is very weird, the family who bought the home never moved not, in. Yeah. Never moved in and did nothing with the house and left it as it was. And that is there's no known ties between this family and the doctor's family. And so for many years it was just kind of this place. I mean, if I was a teenager and grew up here, I would have totally right, right, right. Asked, you know, and tried to see what was in there. But it's now been totally renovated is a just another fancy house in LA. Okay. Well, it's covered in murder. I just want yes. them to know. So congrats yes, on congrats on your house. I've always been fascinated by Angelus Temple. Ever since I moved here, I oh, moved yeah. into that I moved into kind of historic Filipino town Echo Park when I first, and then I lived in Angelino Heights like after that. So I would see that Angelus Temple, it's kind of like the first mega church. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. And she is a fascinating person in her own right, like faked her own death, like yeah. um, supposedly. To run off with a boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and like converted, like did big elaborate productions there. Uh, I've never been inside of it, but like I would I would be fascinated to um, to hear any ghost stories related to Angela's Temple or Suicide Hotspots. <laughs> you're gonna get me on that i don't want to be canceled here um no no, no. she so she didn't amy, come up with the thing everybody i didn't come up with it uh amy simple mcpherson was the founder pastor of angelus temple she is a fascinating like you said early 20th century la worldwide she most famous worldwide. woman in the world probably at the time yes she was insanely charismatic she was totally crazy and she really fostered the idea of a mega church that was a destination where people would come. She really pioneered uh, radio preaching. She had her own radio station. 
where she would beam out sermons and uh, tabernacle singers to the world. She had been a huge tent revival preacher like Elmer Gantry for decades. And she became a place where a lot of lost, lonely people who would come to LA in the 20s and 30s, again, looking for that kind of golden ticket that was Los Angeles, uh, came and were just kind of despondent. And so there is a story of a mystery woman who I don't believe they ever found out who she was climbing atop Angeles Temple, which is still there. It's right across from Echo Park. You can go visit. Uh, It's a church site today. It owns the neighborhood, basically. Yeah, it owns the neighborhood. The coolest part actually is Amy Simple McPherson's Parsonage, where she lived, is a museum now. And you can go visit. And it's really fascinating. You should should totally go. I will. And uh, she climbed up the top and jumped off to her death. And you know, she was probably just another one of those nameless, faceless, like Midwesterners or something who came out and maybe thought that McPherson could save her or give her salvation and it didn't happen. And so I'm sure that ghost still haunts there. I mean, how could she not? <laughs> and, you know, McPherson's really interesting, too, because she was a classic huckster and one of those spiritualists where the line between what she believed and what she was doing for money and fame is very, very blurred. So she's really an archetype for, you know, Jim Baker and Joel Olstein and every one of those mega preachers who came out. For sure. Yeah. You know, but she was a lady, you know, it's always like if a lady did it, it's cool. It's not disturbing. Like the Italian lady who was just hired as front. That's cool, even if she's a fashion. If you're against Amy Semple McPherson, you're against women. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. If you don't let her fake her own death, you're against women. Right. Speaking of jumping off of things that are famous, the penultimate story. I'm saving the Black Dahlia for last. But uh, Peggy Whistle. I don't know how to say that name, that Welsh name. Uh, will you tell uh, her tragic story? Absolutely. Peg Entwistle is, you know, I think very misunderstood. Peg Entwistle was a young actress. She had had lots of success in New York and on the East Coast. She was a very prominent ingenue stage actress in the East Coast uh, during the 1920s. And a lot of times they say she was like a struggling, that is not true. Betty Davis worshiped her when she was a child and said, if I want to be anybody, I want to be Peg Entwistle. So I just want to put that out there that she was not just some person like haphazardly trying her luck because she'd want a beauty pageant. Like she was a real actress and not no offense to those people. We need them. Background actresses, we need them. Hey, I, I did it. I've been there. And so she came out to Los Angeles in the early 1930s to try and break into movies. She lived with her uncle and her two young brothers in Beachwood Canyon, which, of course, is the neighborhood directly under the Hollywood sign. It's crazy how it looks still probably how it looked in that time. Very much so, like yeah. the Hollywood land development. That's another kind of background people should know is that the Hollywood sign was built. It had nothing to do with Hollywood. The Hollywood sign was built as an advertisement for Hollywood land, which was a development, a planned neighborhood, which is now what we know as the Beachwood Canyon area. So all those little Norman and Tudor revival homes that are so cute that you see up there, that is Hollywood land. The um, 
little street with the cafe and stuff that was built for Hollywood land and probably contained the drugstore that Peggy went to on her last night. Ooh. So Peg came out to Hollywood. She got a movie role in a movie called the 13 women. She starred in a play with Humphrey Bogart. I mean, she really was doing pretty well for most actresses, honestly, but you know, the play closed her part in this movie, 13 women were, was cut out. She didn't have, any career options. I'm sure for somebody who had been very successful, this was particularly upsetting. And so one night she climbed, she told her uncle she was going to the drugstore in Hollywood land, but instead she climbed all the way to the top to the Hollywood sign, which, you know, you live in LA, that ain't easy. <laughs> no, she must've really wanted that. That would have taken like an yeah. hour. Yeah. And like, the, the trails weren't as good back then. Like, you know, she was probably wearing 1930s shoes. I was going to ask about that. Would she have possibly driven part of it or she's just. No, she walked. I mean, there was no car. So she didn't have a car in the story. So wow. she walked up there despondent. Some people think she was drunk, which would make a lot of sense. Sure. It seems like something someone wasted and really sad would do. And she jumped off the H of the Hollywood sign. And a day later, her body was found crumpled below the H. And she had left a suicide note that basically said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a coward. I should have done this a long time ago. It would, you know, have saved everyone a lot of pain. And she very quickly became kind of the patron saint of failed actresses, right? And, you know, the Boulevard of Broken Dreams and all of that stuff. And as early as the 1940s, there were rumors of her ghost haunting the Hollywood sign. Um, she was said to have toppled over an H, the H of the Hollywood sign in the 1940s, which mysteriously crumbled. It didn't mysteriously crumble. The sign was like in terrible disrepair. Like that's why it happened because nobody was taking it. There's a huge story there about the signs, many trials, and nobody wanted to claim ownership because it was such a pain. And then there started being all these stories of people hiking who would see the specter of a woman in, you know, 1930s clothes or people just smelling gardenia and gardenia was Peg's signature perfume. So it legend has it that she haunts the H and that if you were hiking up there at night, which you shouldn't do, I think you actually would get arrested if you go to the Hollywood sign period. There is actually a, a station, an underground station of like LAPD or something under there to make sure people, because it's such a target site for terrorists the hollywood sign is so iconic it's considered a high risk site oh yeah so i wouldn't do it <laughs> but uh yes her ghost is said to haunt the hollywood sign wow okay final final uh the probably the biggest one maybe not maybe the hotel cecil um is the biggest one but maybe the mother of all famous murders in los angeles uh that happened on the land, mm -hmm. uh, the Black Dahlia. Will mm -hmm. you give us the background for, for this? So the Black Dahlia, her real name was Elizabeth Short, and she came to Los Angeles in the 1940s, and she was very beautiful. She had dark black hair. She often wore a big Dahlia in her hair, which is why she's called the Black Dahlia. She probably had some mental problems. There was something not quite right with her. She had kind of been a wanderer. She was kind of a hanger on in Hollywood, sort of trying to get into the business, not really. 
kind of a near do well. And she went to the Biltmore Hotel one night in 1947, made a phone call on the payphone, was pacing around a few hours, and then vanished. And the last time she was seen was walking down the street um, in downtown LA with a red-haired gentleman. A few days later, her body, of course, was found in a vacant lot in a neighborhood. She had been severed, hence that famous book, Severed, about her. All the blood had been drained out of her. The thing that I still can't even really think about because it creeps me out so much is that her face had been carved into a ghoulish smile. So it looked like she was smiling from ear to ear. And it became a huge, huge case, which I think most people in America have heard at least of the Black Dahlia. Yeah. And of course, the reason it's so famous, it is totally unsolved. Uh, We still have no idea who killed her. There were a spate of murders in the late 1940s. There's another very famous one I wrote about called the Lipstick Murder. And um, none of the killers have ever been caught. So there's a lot of different theories about who the Black Dahlia's killer was. And of course, one of the biggest suspects is a guy named dr george hodell and is that the one related to the frank lloyd wright house or is it yes so dr hodell dr george hodell was a very famous doctor in hollywood in the 30s and 40s and he actually treated venereal disease so it was said he had a lot of favors from a lot of people in hollywood and the lapd because he knew all their secrets right Uh... he treated them for VD, which was then an even more, much more scandalous thing than it is now. And he was really good friends with Man Ray and the director John Houston, and really into the occult and esoteric stuff. He's a super creepy guy. And he lived in the 1940s in this- Was John famous- Houston super creepy? Yes. Okay. I didn't know. I got to look this up too. Yes. I love John Houston, but he was a weird, weird dude. I think he was probably a lot- I'm- He's Morticia Adams' father, so. Yeah, and I think he was probably a lot like his character in Chinatown. I mean, I love John Huston in his movies, but he was a creepy dude. And so they were very into the occult and they did a lot of drugs. And he lived in this famous, weird architectural house on Franklin Avenue in Los Angeles. You can still see it. That was designed by Lloyd Wright, which is Frank Lloyd Wright's son. Oh, Lloyd my bad. Okay. Did a lot of, built a lot of stuff in Los Angeles. And it's in a weird Mayan, Re- Mayan revival, like white person version <laughs> of a temple style. So yeah. that's why it looks just... cool, but I am a white person. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me too. And, um, there were a lot of creepy things going on in that house. And we know for a fact he was tried for raping his 13-year-old daughter. No good. And like having orgies where they sexually abused her. Um, there's a great podcast the Hodel family participated in that I can't remember the name of, where they talk about kind of the legacy of George Hodel and the legacy of this daughter, Tamara, who he abused. Come on, Dohanies. The Hodels are doing it. Oh, the Hodel. Yeah, the Dohanies have nothing on the Hodels. And... Um, <laughs> Nothing. And so George Hodel's son, Steve, became a police officer for the LAPD and now believes that his father killed the Black Dahlia and that he could have killed her 
in the Soden house in Los Feliz. And, and he claims that he has brought cadaver dogs down to the basement, that they have sniffed out human remains. And he also believes his father was responsible for this huge spate of murders in the 1940s against women. Now, I don't know if that is true. He has a lot of evidence that seems rather convincing. And we know that the LAPD did investigate George Hodel seriously as the killer of the Black Dahlia. And they did tap his phones in the early 1950s. And he did say at one point, like, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia, you know, like only my secretary knows now and she's dead. And he did have a secretary who disappeared. Having a bad so, guy say supposing to start like that. Yes. I read that and I was like, this is so like comic book of this guy. I yeah. love it. Well, and that's what is some people supposing say I did do it. Eh? Right. Is that he was kind of playing with the police that he knew his phones were tapped. Oh, and he was this, you know, little asshole punk genius and was like, I'm going to mess with them, you know, because they got no proof on me. And another reason his son really thinks he might have been the killer is the Black Dahlia was posed in this very creepy way that is reminiscent of Man Ray photographs. And if you look at some of the other women who were murdered in these unsolved 40s murders, their bodies were often, things were written on them in lipstick or they were posed in a weird way. And also, of course, he was a doctor, so he knew how to dissect someone and drain their blood. You know, he knew how to do all this kind of horrific murder that was much cleaner than just a psychopath, you know, with a knife or an axe. Do you think that that's who killed the Black Dahlia? You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. I, I, I don't, I'm one of those historians who I don't know anything about anything and I don't, I don't ever say ever yes, but I thought he made a very convincing article, but then he kind of lost me because he also like says he's a Zodiac killer. Like, so yeah, he, the son says a lot of stuff. So <laughs> I've, I've actually spoken with the son. He's very cool. He's a nice guy. Uh, but I, I, I'd say 70%, I can totally see it have been, having been him. And with all of his connections, I think it would have been real easy for him to pay people off. And the LAPD, of course, has a, was, is still corrupt, but was notoriously corrupt in the 1940s. So it, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. I've seen their tunnel. No, that was the 20s and 30s. Okay. Uh, real quick, where do we rank in the country? You love this, the ghost places. You're from North Carolina. You've probably been yeah. to Savannah, probably been to oh, yeah. New Orleans. Where do where does Los Angeles rank in terms of creepy ghost towns? Okay. Well, personally, I believe the most haunted place in America, but this is because I'm from North Carolina, is the Outer Banks where the Graveyard of the Atlantic was. Okay. Uh, because I grew up going there and that place feels haunted. Like I feel it in my bones when I'm there. Wow. I would say New Orleans is probably the truly number one, but I think Los Angeles is definitely in the top five because wow. I don't think if you believe in ghosts and that ghosts a lot of times are hanging around because they are dissatisfied with their life or they're, dreams everybody in la baby that's la in a nutshell i mean literally and la has we have the spanish era where so many terrible things happen the mexican era yeah you know when you talk about all the missions i mean all the atrocities done to the indigenous people i mean the list just goes on and on all the murders in the 1920s and 30s i mean 
I think that we really rank up there, but we don't have anything on New Orleans. I mean, let's just put that out there. <laughs> but we do have uh, really good street food. I will. I just want to put that out we there. We do. We have excellent street food. <laughs> um, but they have beignets, which are the best things in the world. That's true. That it's is also fucking, street food. fucking true. Their food, yeah. pretty famous as well. Yes. Um, final question. You are a big fan of movie, old, like Hollywood history. If you could be haunted... By any movie star, and you kind of get to hang out with them every now and then. Nobody can like know about it, but they're like, "I want you to write about me." Who, <laughs> what uh, famous old movie star dead uh, would you want you want uh, to haunt you? Well, let's say dead. Like I like your I work. Mean, I, I want you to be my biographer. I mean, in terms of like romance, I'd like like Cary Grant to haunt me. There you go, handsome man. Um, yeah, or or William Holden. But in terms of like hanging out, probably the screwball comedian genius Carol Lombard, because she was apparently so fun and had so many great parties and did so many cool pranks. And I think we would have been best friends yeah. and had the best time. Yeah. So uh, she, in terms of like a kickback ghost, I would pick Carol Lombard. That's fine. <laughs> Who would you pick? Oh my God! Who would I pick? Maybe like Groucho seems fun. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think just off the top of my head, Groucho seems yeah. seems pretty fun. Yeah, Charlie Chaplin seems pretty cool, or Buster Keaton seems cool. Like Buster he... Keaton would be cool. I don't know how much fun Buster was though. He had a lot of problems. <laughs> he he got he was fucked up as a kid, so that yeah, let's put that out there. His parents tossed him. Yeah, tossed in the air. So he discovered that uh, he got more laughs if he didn't make a face. So, yeah, that's pr- <laughs> probably if he's doing those stunts, a little bit of a death wish also. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, those the, uh, yeah, those ones seem pretty fun, I guess. Where do you want people to find you? So I write a lot right now for Vanity Fair and The Hollywood Reporter. Um, Vanity Fair, I do a really fun series, if you like Hollywood history, called Old Hollywood Book Club where I write about different celebrity autobiographies every month and kind of summarize them and rank them and talk about what's true and what's not. And uh, I do a lot of talking head stuff now. If you like royal stuff, I do a lot of royal history. So that's all at HadleyMirrors.com. Okay, and if people want to see a movie or watch anything about this where else should they go if they're interested in this like what's a good uh book or movie or anything that would kind of cover something well i mean if you want like trashy hollywood lore and legends hollywood babylon is so much fun is that the movie that they just made or art that's coming out no this is a really famous old like gonzo book of the 1970s and they talk a lot about like you know, Valentino's ghost and like his oh. ghost dog, his ghost dog, Kabar, that howls for him at the Hollywood Pet Cemetery in Calabasas, which is a super creepy, speaking of graveyards, is a super fun, creepy place to oh, go. Oh, okay. It's where the, all the celebrities buried their pets. That's fun. And it's weird. And uh, so Hollywood Babylon's a really, really fun one. Okay. And, you know, all those, if you're looking for scary movies, all those universal movies from the 1930s, all those horror movies are so much fun to this day if you want to get a mild scare that you can... Oh, and all of those actors, like, haunt shit now, too, or something, like... (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, The best is the Phantom of the Opera, Lou Cheney. Mama, who is the Phantom of the Opera? Lon Cheney. Oh, Lon Cheney, the original Phantom of the Opera, who was said to haunt a soundstage 
forever on Paramount's lot in uh, in his Phantom of the Opera cape. It's amazing. But they tore that soundstage down, so I don't know where that ghost went now. <laughs> he's he's back to hell. I don't know where they go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for doing this. I hope you had a good time. I, I'm going to put it up prior to uh, Hall. I almost said Thanksgiving. Prior to Halloween, at some point. So. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> All right, it's good to see you, and thank you so much. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, that was Hadley Mears. Give her a follow on all of the things. One last thing. They say word of mouth is the best form of advertising. If you like this show at all, you can click follow. You can tell people about it. You can just retweet when I post about it. Whatever you got to do, I appreciate it. I appreciate you for listening, most of all. R.I.P. Michael Clark Duncan. R.I.P. Brad fucking Stewart. Bye.